0: Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters podcast. This is episode 169. Once again, you've got Chris and Brian, and this time around, we're going to talk about the decision-making that goes into NFA purchases, be that suppressors, or either buying a factory SBR, or doing a Form 1 to manufacture something into an SBR. Yeah.
1: So guys, part of the impetus behind this is uh, some of the chicanery, shenanigans, and just plain bullshit the ATF is up to currently. Um, and, and then a combination of that along with the eForms uh, process finally seemingly being up and on plane and online and functional. Um, ATF kicked off eForms to 10, December twenty second, twenty first, something like that of last year. Uh, it was an absolute train wreck uh, for the vendors that they partnered with who used an integrated software approach that combines, for example, Silencer shop software with the ATF's eForms. Uh, website, and and that finally was sorted out about 90 days ago, maybe 60-some days ago, I don't know, something like that, Um, and eForm seems to be connected well with Silencer Shop's full-auto software, and things seem to be moving along well finally, but it was was not a fun process. Uh, We were telling people all along, um, you know, maybe you want to sit out a few months and see how this is going to go before you get involved in it, and you're always going to have folks who want to be the early adopters, and those folks were kind of the guinea pigs, um, if but you yeah, were
0: beta tested worse than buying a C product. Ex-
1: amen. Yeah. So, you know, definitely that. Yeah. Ron Cohen might have been involved in this. Um, but anyway, on the ATF side of things, anyway. Um, but there, you know, so here's the so the, the moral of the story is this is that it, it everything seems to be working well now, seems to be progressing along well now. So if you were holding off on buying a can until EFORMS is functional, I would say it's functional now. Um, you know we'll 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 press on and keep an eye on those things but so part so that's what kind of brings this conversation around is e coming up and then the a t f hinting um you know at at having you know bringing the matrix back uh to make selections on you know what's an s b r versus what's a pistol and this kind of fun stuff like that so the arm brace conversation uh within the industry, the people trying to read crystal balls at the distributor level are running scared from arm braces. Uh, there are a few manufacturers that are pushing guns out with arm braces, SBA-3s and whatnot, but there are a lot of distributors that are not selling arm braces at this point um, at all. They've, they've gotten rid of their inventory because they're seriously concerned about if the ATF comes out, waves its magic wand, and basically putting an arm brace on anything makes it an SBR, they don't want to be stuck with that inventory because you're not going to buy them if you're going to have to pay your tax stamp and put a brace on it or I mean a a stock on it anyhow so so that's kind of where we're at right now um so we're going to talk specifically about you know decisions around suppressors, the why, and and maybe some you know that decision making matrix, and then some conversations around why you may or may not SBR a gun, you know, a, a, with what we just mentioned, along with a few other topics too. So uh, yeah. talk about suppressors first. Sure. Is that cool? Um, so Sup- suppressors. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you lead off with your matrix if that's cool. Yeah. And then we'll go from there and talk about some other things
0: uh so one of the things with the suppressor is we need to make a few decisions on called like the suppressor matrix yep. or like so with with suppressors you get to pick maybe two maybe three maybe of the the following that being um total noise suppression uh overall length um total weight yep um cost and then also Things like manufacturer support modularity um, who you think is going to be around as a manufacturer in 15 years yep um, so, so kind of pick you know pick two of two or three of those five or six things
1: well where did the pick two come from
0: yeah so this is based on you know the old kind of you know do you want it good fast or cheap yeah um, pick two yeah and this sort of falls into that with suppressors as well absolutely for example with the rifle can you know, we start looking at do we want something that's very lightweight and maneuverable, uh, but maybe not the quietest thing. Or are we willing to spend, you know, it could be an extra three, four, five hundred 500 bucks to get a lighter can because it's made out of titanium, uh, but maybe not be nearly as quiet, yes. you know, as a bigger, larger, oftentimes actually cheaper can just because of the technology involved. Yeah. Um, using, you know, a stainless steel tube instead of the titanium tube will save a lot of money, but it does add sometimes considerable weight, sometimes not a whole lot of weight. Yeah. Uh, it really pays to look pretty closely at the manufacturer specs for the individual suppressor or suppressors you're considering. Uh, also taking into account you know is it a direct thread can? Do I need muzzle devices? Are muzzle devices included in the weight of the suppressor? are they not? Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure you're you're very carefully comparing. Things apples to apples.
1: Absolutely, and and there's a great tool for this on Silencer Shop's uh, website. If you if you follow our link through to Silencer Shop from our website, um, you can click on two or three different suppressors. You can search suppressors by category, by caliber, by some different things, and then you can click on two or three different suppressors and compare them side by side. Four decibels of sound reduction, for weight. Um, they don't necessarily talk about what comes with what. Most rifle suppressors come with the muzzle brake needed, but some don't, like Surefires, for example, do not. And then also, do they come with the muzzle device you want? Uh, we've run into a couple times where guys have thought they were getting a flash hider and they got a a, 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 a like recoil a compensator yeah. uh, versus you know one or the other. And there's some conversations too around pressure issues and some of those things as well that that are just now starting to rear their ugly heads. So there is some research to do outside of that, too. But in general, you can get a lot of good manufacturer data side-by-side side on the website and take a look at it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, when we get into this, I, I, I'm going to give a great example of what I did because I view it as doing it wrong. Um, I wanted modularity. I wanted to be able to put a suppressor on any gun most easily without the risk of jacking threads up. So I bought a Gemtech Halo Titanium because I wanted lightweight. And the Halo T was designed for an M249 uh, machine gun. So it's not a quiet can, but it's a lightweight can designed to allow guys to still communicate with each other and not go deaf when running through 200-round battle belts or 100-round nut sacks on a 249. And so, you know, the conversation there was this will go on anything with an A1 or an A2 flash hider. So this is, this is where I want to go. Um, the thing I ran into is I wanted to be able to shuttle it from gun to gun to gun. The problem is it changes my point of aim, uh, changes my point of impact enough, between barrel droop and then that range of threading it on and is it perfectly true because there's no indice to put it that perfectly true uh every time i put it on a gun i've got to re-zero a gun if i plan, if it was for home defense i wouldn't worry about it but you plan on shooting more than about 50 yards um you can get into up to three moa shift and that's a big deal if you're going to go out and shoot coyotes at 300 yards that's a big deal if you're going to be you know if you're a soldier on the battlefield especially in an open space environment iraq afghanistan out in the open um you know that that's a huge deal being off by an moa or two left or right and three moa vertically or four moa vertically or or or, you know or a mill or however you want to look at it um it's it's legit so it's legit it's not it's not tense it matters so yeah yeah, wrong can now brilliant can. Super lightweight, super easy to put on anything. Um, but yeah. And that and yeah. and I have and it's not bad enough to change. It's just there's some quirks. No, know mm. the quirks. Yep. Um, suppressor-wise, guys, you know, we're talking about how to make the decision on which can. The other cool tool are are live people at Silencer Shop. Um, if you've tried to call Silencer Shop's customer service over the last few months, it's been they, they generally are going to, you know, they'll say, hey, we're busy making the world a quieter place and, and that fun stuff. And then eventually somebody will pick up. But because of the eforms thing, they've been a little backed up. They have this awesome service where you can leave your phone number and they'll call you back. Oftentimes they call you back faster than if you'd waited online somehow. I don't know how that magic works. Um, but they'll call you. You can talk to them and ask them those same. They'll ask you the same questions Brian basically just did. They'll run through, hey, you know, here's your decision making tree. Based on what you want to do, I think the most value in that comes in. I have these three different guns in these three different calibers, and I want a modular suppressor that'll work with all three of them. What are my best options, and why? That's where I think they really shine in helping you pick some of that stuff out because there are more and more cans designed to be modular. Uh, Jimtech's the one. Uh, The Silencerco Hybrid 46 has been around forever. Great can. This 36M is a great can. Um, Griffin Armament does a number of multi-caliber suppressors, there's a lot of ones out there, plus you could buy into the Surefire line, do a 30-caliber can, if everything you run is 30-caliber and 5.56, use the same can on both, um, and not lose a whole lot of sound suppression, but get the consistency, point of aim, point of impact consistency that Surefire is known for. Um, and some things like that, and they can walk you through a lot of those nuances and a lot of those different concerns and make sure that you end up with, you know, the best two or three options to choose from.
0: Yeah. Speaking of using, you know, a 30 cal can on a 5.56 gun, uh, we do that quite frequently amongst our tribe. Yep. Um, generally those are the quieter cans on the range. Yep. Uh, they may not be the absolute lightest, um, because it is a little bit bigger, um, being a 30 cal can, um, but they, they are generally very quiet. Yeah. Uh, and as far as application goes, um, it is pretty much always safe to shoot a smaller projectile through a larger hole. Yep. 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 Uh, with the exception of 22 like rim fire stuff, um, don't shoot that through center fire can. You will let up and otherwise cause mayhem inside of your suppressor. Yeah. Because uh, a rim fire can is actually designed to be end user serviceable and does need to be cleaned from time to time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, to to quote Austin Powers, um, rimfire ammo is like sailors, it's filthy. Um, so you really don't want to shoot it because you'll get little peas of unburnt powder, um, burnt powder, residue, lead, and wax uh, will pee up and you'll end up with little pebbles rolling around inside the can that will then at some point occlude the bore axis. And you'll have a shoot through, an in cap strike, something like that nasty. So don't do that unless the manufacturer says it's okay. And even if the manufacturer says it's okay, they generally say in limited quantities and with certain cleaning parameters. Uh, make sure you read up on that. But in general, rim fire ammo through any kind of center fire can is a no no, but especially rifle cans, it's a no no. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, we, one of the things, too, guys, you know, you look at the, you know, the how of the suppressor. There's some engineering around baffles and fluid dynamics and, and how pressure moves um, that end of it. That's big brain stuff that's way beyond me. But in general, there's also just volume, um, the volume of the suppressor and then the sheer mass of the suppressor. You, you know, you suppress things by eating up energy and energy comes in a couple of different forms. Um, heat energy and, and then expanding gas energy. Um, and so oftentimes that bigger 30 caliber can just sounds different. And I bet, you you know, there's a conversation around putting a decimal meter next to it. It may not actually be quieter, but it may be just a different frequency or a tonal variation where it just doesn't sound as loud it just, yeah. or it sounds exactly the same or whatever. I mean, I've noticed one of our, one of our guys, um, he runs a hybrid, um, a big can and in, in on his 556 gun. And it, and it sounds ridiculously quiet compared to my halo. Um, now, I also don't know that, you know, how full auto rated and blah, 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 and this, that, and the other. But, you know, it's a pretty neat can for the variability, yeah. for the for the capabilities. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, you know, that that's kind of the, the, you know, a little bit of advice on the decision making process. The, there's a lot of whys. There's a lot of guys going, wow, do I need a suppressor, you know, blah, blah, blah. One of the biggest arguments was, I don't want to pay for something that could potentially cost me $1,000 or more, including a tax stamp and maybe a trust. Maybe we're now we're chasing $1,300 um, or more uh where you know i don't want my money tied up i don't want to give some of my money for a year you know to get this back well now that we're looking at potentially 90 days or less um that's going to change that conversation a lot and and throwing out the idea of if you go to your buddy's farm to go shooting you've got a nice safe place a good backstop etc um your, your buddy's farm may be his farm that he's letting you shoot on but it may be mom and dad's property his mom and dad's property And you will be a much more welcome guest if the neighbors aren't complaining, um, that you're out while they're trying to do, you know, Easter brunch outside because the weather's nice and you're banging away with your 30 caliber or five, five, six gun, making all kind of racket, um, putting a suppressor on the gun will make you, will get you way more likely to be invited back. The same goes for hunting. Um, yeah, we got a group of guys who hunt and, and they had access to a large farm, um, Fairly close to Central Ohio, fairly close to Columbus. It was nice access, considering they all live in Columbus and work in Columbus. They invited a buddy out to go coyote hunting with him, and he took the first shot with a 6 millimeter Creedmoor at about 3 o'clock in the morning, and everybody just assumed that he would have a suppressor on his gun because the rest of them run suppressors, and they were disinvited from their little coyote honey hole. Um, One shot did it because the neighbors were all calling, going, what the hell was that kind of thing? um you know so if you're hunting you're especially at night you're way less likely to draw the ire of neighbors uh whether they're yours or someone else's so you know there's some good reasons though and it can new people yeah taking new shooters out uh putting we kind of joke that a, a suppressor on a pistol is kind of a party trick you really can't carry it on the gun and if you're using it for home defense there's better options for home defense than a handgun anyway um, but there is this reality check that if you've got somebody and you're working your way up through a rimfire gun with a suppressor on it is ridiculously fun to shoot and you can have a conversation with somebody while they're shooting it and train them, it alleviates communication issues that normally go with having ear pro in um, and it just makes it more fun. It makes it more enjoyable. And then when you sit with the center fire, that's way more the case. Um, you know, there's, there's a significant argument that, that in general, women seem to be a little more attuned to concussion and loud noises and don't really appreciate them. Um, you know, so if we can take that out of the conversation from a training perspective, that's a wonderful thing. And then the same carries over to pistol caliber, carbines, rifles, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. So uh, great tool for that as well. Um, so, you know, just, I'm sure there are probably myriad and sundry other reasons we're leaving out, but I think those are two of the biggies is being a good neighbor and yeah. then also training new people.
0: The other thing, you know, if you're shooting a lot, uh, especially with the shorter, we'll get into SBRs, but shorter-length rifles, Yeah. Uh, protecting your own hearing is a really big deal. True, true, true. And suppressors definitely help out with that. Yeah. Uh, especially, you know, you start training in and around, you know, the empty 55-gallon blue barrels that are kind of ubiquitous on shooting ranges or yeah. training training ranges. Yep. Um, doing any kind of structures work where you're inside a hallway or inside a room
1: yeah, for sure. Um,
0: you know, knocking down that concussion or even that, like, secondary or third order, you know, echo, boom, yeah, uh, yes. whatnot, really makes a difference. Yeah, for uh, our
1: professional end users and our guys that train a lot, that's a big deal. Um, you know, you may, that may be – and if you're fortunate enough to have an agency that lets you run a suppressor on your gun at work, um, that might be the thing that makes you not – one of a million retired SWAT cops who now have to wear hearing aids um you know because too many shotgun blasts or too many rifle blasts or too many pistol blasts inside of a structure um due to whatever threat um or if it's just busting locks you know yeah. kind of stuff so yeah definitely it wasn't really thinking about the osha aspect of that but mm. the, you know definitely saving your own hearings in your buddy's hearing yeah. is, is kind of i'd nice. even
0: you know take it to the you know, if you're a plinker and you like to hang out under some kind of shelter. Yeah. But you run a, you know, a nasty muzzle break on your gun because you want to yep. see, you know, the trace on your round or you think it shoots flatter. Yep. Um, you know, yes. having, again, that suppressor really knocks down a lot of that, you know, big kaboom that yep. that vibrates off the roof.
1: Yeah, the physical concussion aspect of it, it cuts down a lot on. The bullet's still going to crack. It's not going to be hearing safe. But yeah. you're, you're the guy to the left or right of you won't hate your guts maybe quite so bad at the end of the day. Yep. Um ask me how I know. Because <laughs> I have one of those. Um, you, you and your loudner my loudner, the loudner works really well. Yeah. If you ever want a comp that'll really piss people off, um the VG sixes and the uh what's the other one? The, the not the JTAC. Um the uh the, the, the FSCs. Yeah. Um the FSC five five six and the uh, the AK FSCs. uh those those comps are freaking I mean, ridiculous. They work they're, well.
0: They're anti suppressors. They
1: are they are the opposite of indeed. Um, but anyway, so we, 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 digress. So, uh, pushing from suppressors, unless there's anything you want to go there, pushing from suppressors to SBRs. Yeah. Okay. So guys, there's the ATF came out with their, their matrix. Um, and proposed, it was like proposed matrix. Proposed matrix. Yeah. And, and we proposed matrix of stupid. I mean, if we're going to modify it, let's truly modify it to what it is. Um, great thing, you know, 25 points or I'm just making up numbers, but yeah, 25 total points. Um, The gun itself was five, you know, that's stupid because it's going to be a gun no matter what. Uh, The brace was, you know, 38 points out of 25. And then if you had sights, it was a point. If you didn't have sights, it was a point. It was one of the dumbest things anyone who's ever done math has ever seen. But apparently the bureaucrats at the ATF don't. Yeah, seriously. Underwater basket weaving and fire prevention. You know, I don't know what their degrees were in. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. It, really ignorant. Um, there, there's the industry seems to think that that's going to rear its ugly head again at some point in the near future. When that is, we have no idea. Um, and on a regular basis, we people come in because the 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 internet rehashes these things and brings them back up and composts them and then regrows other bullshit out of them. So that pops up a lot, and we just don't know until it actually rears its ugly head and shows up. But the brace thing conversation. Um, might be the single biggest reason to go ahead and get in line for your SBR. Um, having run AR pistols with arm braces on them, they behave much like stocks. I don't disagree with that aspect of it, but unfortunately, the genie let that, bo- let that genie out of the bottle a while ago, um, and I, I don't know how they're going to go back on that, but if they do, that might be your single best reason to, to have your gun, to have a lower sbr and set up and ready to go. Um, You know, the other thing we're getting into, uh, you know, the consideration if you got to do that would be keeping your pistol bottom end um, in some fashion, if that's feasible, depending on what the new regs or laws look like, because you may need it to travel with, because if you travel with an SBR, you've got to notify the ATF to cross state lines, uh, versus if you travel with a pistol, if it's someplace where the pistol is legal, then you're good to go. So, you know, those are a couple of the conversations around doing that. Um, And then never mind the, you know, some of the braces are good, some of the braces are not, but I don't think any of them are as perfect as a stock is for the gun. So there's a couple good reasons to jump on that train. Um, never mind, you know, and accepting the fact that right now form one. So if you're building an SBR, i.e., taking a lower receiver and getting it engraved, um, or taking a AR or a pistol of some sort, whether it's pistol caliber carbine or whatever, uh, but a pistol and having it engraved and turning it into an, an SBR. Um, you know, the lead times are less than thirty days currently until everybody figures out of the ATF says you have to do it, and then how long will it take? Maybe we could see the same BS where it's a year because of the backlog the way it was with Form Force a year ago. Um so, you know, a couple of good reasons to really jump on that are are the timelines are really, really short and it you may be preempting ATF stupidity or bureaucratic stupidity from the federal government. Yeah. Um uh, you know, I, I, anything to add to that. Um, the process is just not a big deal to do.
0: Yeah. So when you do the, the form one process, um, with the change in regs to, what was that? 42 F. Yeah. A couple of years ago, um, you are required to do, uh, passport photos and fingerprint cards on the form one. Now, um, the f- passport photos, you know, that's where your Walgreens, CVS, yeah. et cetera, comes in. Um, uh, but, the uh, the fingerprint cards, you can actually order from silencer shop. Yep. So if you have a silencer shop account set up, do your fingerprints with our kiosk, and then you can order the digitally printed cards on the correct ATF yep. card and all that stuff. They're like 15 bucks a set. Yep. They'll um, send them to you. They'll send them right to you. Yep. So it makes that part a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, because trying to find someplace that will do inked fingerprints um, is not easy, nor is it
1: Yeah, it's very expensive. Like CDL prints and stuff like that, and and you have to show up with the correct cards to do that. Most police agencies nowadays are doing, yeah, they're doing digital. They don't do, they're not doing inked prints anymore. So if they have somebody around who knows how to do ink, that's actually pretty rare. And then a lot of them wouldn't do it because of COVID for a couple of years. You know, they weren't taking people in to do anything other than necessary functions due to COVID. So, um, so if COVID rears its ugly head and that gets stupid again, that's another conversation. Um, So the the Form 1 aspect of it's pretty slick. If you're buying something already manufactured, it's a Form 4 transfer, just like a suppressor. And Silencer Shop does have uh, you know, form four weapons, SBRs and stuff like that available. And it's something that, you know, we, as a business, we can purchase those from our distributors that the lead time is a few weeks because of the form three process to get it to us, the dealer to dealer transfer, but it's absolutely doable if inventory is available. So if there's something you're looking for SBR ish, whether it's a, you know, a full on Mark 18 or something like that, um, you know, give give us a call. We'll see what we can do. Um, some of that stuff is available. Uh, some of its stuff is some of it's available randomly. Um, and some of it on that kind of stuff, we might actually be able to request not a back order, but some favor to get that kind of yeah. stuff in if it's not available anywhere. So have that conversation with us. Um, if you find it out there somewhere, we do charge transfer and storage fees uh, on SBRs and suppressors and stuff like that. But but generally, we can make that work for you um, and go from there. So, you know, there's, the, the process is not difficult. Um, it's a little bit complicated, but it's not difficult. And Silencer Shop surely makes it easier like they do with everything else. Whichever way you do it, they can still assist in some fashion. Um, yeah. so, and there's plenty of tutorials for the form one aspect of e-forms where you can go online and have people walk you through it. Um, you just got to pay attention to the details and that's, cause that's where you'll get stung. So, but it's definitely something to look into doing. So, um, Anything else to add just in general to NFA or to that?
0: Yeah, the other thing with NFA, uh, at least on the AR-15 side of the house, is doing an integrally suppressed upper yeah. um, or an integrally suppressed rifle if you're buying it, kind of manufactured that way. Yeah. So as of right now, um, Gemtech, I think Yankee Hill, Daniel, if you can find one of their PDW guns. Yeah. Yeah. And then HM Defense, of which we have uh, a couple couple full rifles, and we should have some uppers here in the store pretty soon. Uh, but what these manufacturers are doing is taking a anywhere from like a nine and a half to a 12.5 inch Air 15 upper and then permanently attaching a suppressor to that, that barrel so that your overall length is greater than 16 inches. Yeah. And now you have a regular rifle upper that's suppressed. Uh, So it is a Form four transfer in approximately 90 days to take possession of the upper, but it does eliminate the need to have an SBR.
1: Yeah, it's a one stamp, colloquially referred to as a one stamp gun because you're only paying a $200 tax stamp versus an SBR and a suppressor. It's $400 worth of tax stamps. Um, And
0: and all the travel restrictions on the SBR.
1: Exactly. So yeah, it alleviates a lot of that. And that is one, another way to skin that cat uh, that's becoming more and more popular the other part of that too, um, as far as options, there are a lot of rimfire options. Yeah. Taxol and Ruger and some other companies all make integrally, inter- integri- I can't say that word, integrally suppressed barrels. Um, so you can find those two and they're easy to swap out or you can buy the yeah. gun like that for, one for way. Turn your 10 Yep, turn your 1022 into you know a Boris Natasha a bomb. Um, it's a pretty cool tool. Uh, again, back to training new shooters and back to using something that's quiet and easy yeah. on the neighbors, etc. cetera. Um, yeah, neat stuff, and if you're looking like specifically for us with the HM stuff, uh, they're coming up with some, some really interesting numbers because the cans are fairly large cans, a um, lot of volume, uh, pretty good suppression ability. And, and so some quiet stuff when you get integral because it gets specific. And usually the manufacturers have worked out some of the gassing issues if it's an AR specifically. Uh, the tuning issues are something you don't have to worry about as the end user. It's already been done for you by the guys at HM or, or Yankee or whomever. So, yeah, yeah really, really interesting stuff. Um, there I've had a number of people mention concerns about how do I clean it. Um, these are, for the most part, are rifle caliber suppressors, rifle pressure suppressors. If they're rifle pressure suppressors, the end user, the manufa- or pardon me, the manufacturer will service them for you if needed, but the likelihood that you're going to put enough rounds through that to need it as most rifle calibers are hot enough, enough actual temperature and enough actual pressure that they're generally considered self-cleaning that, you know, ma- until you start talking 50,000 rounds or something crazy like that, and then you can send it back to the manufacturer and they'll they'll do that for you, and that's a maintenance thing. So as such, the transfers aren't a pain in the ass, even though it's a NFA item. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, there's accounting for that within the laws and regulations. Um, the rimfire integrally suppressed devices are, are serviceable. You can yeah. pull the core out and clean them, no big deal. Uh, pretty simple. So um, so if that's a concern for you, it, it, it need not be, as most rifle suppressors, like I said, aren't cleanable. Or if the, the manufacturer gives you some list of ingredients to mix together that will put you on... Frickin' DOD, Homeland Security, the FBI, and probably uh, three different local police departments watching this. Definitely the EPA. Definitely the EPA, uh, you know, mix these three chemical, liquid chemicals together to clean your suppressor, and it looks a whole lot like you're trying to make a bomb, so be careful with that. I said bomb. The NSA's going to call tomorrow. Um, but anyway, yeah, so pretty, pretty cool stuff. There's definitely a lot of good options. Yeah. So, Cool. Uh, anything else with NFA other than repeal it, make it go away? Yeah, make NFA, it go away. NFA stupid um, and
0: sucks. Yeah, the the NFA is probably a prime, is a prime example of what happens when large quantities of Democrats get together and do things without yeah. supervision.
1: Yeah, absolutely, bureaucracy at its best. So, Grr. Yeah. all right, cool.
0: Yeah, <laughs> on that note. Uh, as we come across cool, interesting things, um, oftentimes they get posted up to our social media. So please follow us along on Facebook and Instagram. On Facebook, look for us under Cap City Outfitters. On Instagram, we are Cap City Outfitters 2. Uh, on our website, you can find valuable information such as how to do an FFL transfer or we more fully outline the process for purchasing a suppressor via our storefront over at silencershop.com. So do check out capcityoutfitters.com. Also, on the website, you can find you can find a link to sign up for our email newsletter that goes, once out, goes out once a week on Fridays, uh, or send us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com. We will happily add you to the newsletter list. And then please visit us at the store. We're in Hilliard, Ohio, 4465 Cemetery Road. We are in front of the Aldi's and directly next to Louis Fusion Drill. Uh, we're here 10 to 5, Tuesday through Saturday, and we look forward to seeing you soon.
1: Thanks for tuning in, guys.